Welcome to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning practice. My name is Nadia Abdelal and I will be your host for today. With me uh, once again is fellow Outreach Officer, Ms Leanne McMahon. How are you, Leanne? I'm very well, thanks, Nadia. That is amazing. Well, Leanne, you've just gotten back from Alice Springs, haven't you? Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing there? Alice Springs was amazing um, and quite surprising to me. There was a careers expo for students. So we spent two days talking to students right from primary level, about grade five, all the way up to year 12, coming to see what sort of careers are open to them. Um, I think one thing that we're hearing less and less is, oh, I'm not a maths person. Mm. I can't do any of that. So our careers campaign seems to be hitting all the right marks. And for me, Alice Springs was a great way to round it off in a nice warm environment with great people and a campfire at night. Oh, well done. I saw I saw those uh, photos. They were wonderful. All right. So back to talking about multiplication, because this is the second part in our series of uh, multiplicative thinking called Multiplication Matters. Why do you think it's such an important topic, Leanne? Why, why such a big focus on multiplicative thinking? Well, as we discussed in the last episode, we need our students to be thinking flexibly and efficiently and working with a large range of numbers. They need to understand the relationship between the numbers and be able to use those relationships to solve problems. Now, if they are learning number facts without that deep understanding of number, then they're not going to be able to solve problems. They're not going to be be able to use those numbers flexibly. Multiplicative thinking allows them to understand how numbers can be used flexibly. It gives them a an introduction into proportional reasoning, which is mm. the underpinning of everything. Mm. Fractions, decimals, um, all ratios, of that. Ratios. Algebra. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And we often find that when we, when we talk to kids and when we, we talk to teachers, uh, a lot of the problems that are inherent in our students as they get into higher levels of maths is that they not really developed that m- ability to think multiplicatively at the year four, year five level. And so it kind of transfers and translates into into problems with those higher Absolutely. Levels. And you've got an example of a perfect example of a a year 10 student, I think. It was a, yeah, yeah, I did. It was a year 10 student. I, uh, I work closely with, with this student and she is a real struggler. She was, a, she, she thought she was a struggler in math. She did struggle. She, her confidence was not very high. She didn't have a lot of confidence in her ability to do maths. And as I sat with her and we, we looked into the reasons why she was struggling, I always go back to the point, a couple of points. I'll always go back to a couple of points. When I'm doing any intervention with students, I'll look into their ability to, if they're younger, I'll look into their ability to uh, quantify. So trust the count. Then I'll uh, look into their place value. And the older students, I'll do those things, but I'll focus a lot more on the multiplicative thinking. And so with this student, 
I did give her a, a question. We were sitting there doing a doing a session, just sort of having a conversation towards the end. And I said to her, what's 18 times five? You know, you, we, we mentioned 18 times five last week. Classic <laughs> Joe Bowler, 18 times five. It's one of my favorites because there's just so many strategies of getting the, the answer to 18 times five. And and this student was was struggling. In the end, she, she said, I think it's about 80. And I knew that this young girl suffered from maths anxiety quite severely. Yes. And when I said to her, how did you get 80? She said, I counted by fives, you know, five, yes. ten. But because she was under so much pressure, yes. she didn't quite count enough. Like she didn't get to the, the she didn't have that sort of the, the right timing. If you watch the Joe Bowler video on 18 times five, I think it's, I think it's called Number Talks. Mm-hmm. Um and you see these uh, Stanford University students. So these aren't dumb kids mm. trying to work out what 18 times 5 mm. is. Some of them have this look of sheer panic mm. in their face. And you can see there is not much cognitively going on there no. because there is so much panic. They've been uh, overwhelmed by it. And, and I can imagine. I am a person that totally relates to that feeling of panic going through school, I had immense maths anxiety and it highly impacted my ability to, to do maths and perform in maths. And in fact, uh, teachers, when I was younger in the primary levels would say, well, she's not just not, she's, she's just not a maths person. And of course, um, now I, I do this. <laughs> well, you can fool some of the people all of the time. <laughs> Or all the people some of the That's time. Right. <laughs> so anyway, back to back to yes. this young girl. Um, when we started digging deeper, I realised that she hadn't actually developed her ability to think multiplicative. She had no idea about the distributive properties of multiplication. And when I showed her how to do it using uh, an open array and how to, you know, split her numbers and and to dis- mm-hmm. distribute the numbers equally. She was blown away. She had never yep. seen it done in such a way. And this was a, a girl who'd obviously been just exposed to the multiplication facts. Here is the multiplication tables. Learn it by rote. Yes. Learn it. How was yeah. she with those? Was um, she? She, she yeah. knew her multiplication facts really well, <laughs> but she just didn't know how to apply it to but, a larger. She, she needed a pen and paper. She said to me, because we didn't have a pen and paper at the time, and she said to me, oh, I need a pen and paper to work that out. And I said, no, I want you to work it out in your head and see how you go. Yes. And she was in such a state. She just, <laughs> and it was, it, but, but I tell you what, once, once she started grasping those ideas, she actually said to me, why has nobody ever shown me this before? I know. I love number talks. I could talk about number talks for the entire podcast. But um, whenever I go into a school, without fail, if I do a number talk, regardless of what it is, the students always walk out going, that was the best. That was my favourite part of the lesson. They absolutely love the number talks because suddenly they're exposed to things that they understand. It's not just about learning them off by heart. It's about the deeper understanding of what's actually happening and they yes. they develop strategies and they start yes. to figure out that well there's not only one way i've been taught That's this it. way but you know johnny over there is doing it that way and what a efficient way of doing it yeah. and that, i think you've hit the nail on the head too with johnny over there doing it it's not the teacher saying yeah. now you can do it this way or you yeah. can do it that way yeah. or you can do it another way yeah. it's the people in the class and the teacher actually saying Yes, your way is valid. Even that, as you said, that 18 
times five. If you count by fives 18 times, you will get the right answer. That's actually a strategy as well. It is a, yeah. it is a, an Valid accurate strategy. strategy. Yeah. But when, when, when we talk about strategies, we often talk about efficient strategies. Yes. And I think that's what um, is important when we do A, number talks, and two, think multiplicatively because it's about solving problems in the end. It's mm. about using what you know and what you've learned to apply them to situations that allow you to work out the problem efficiently. Because you can sit there and you can solve a problem uh, and it can take you five hours or you can use a more efficient strategy and solve it in an hour or 10 minutes or however long it is. That's right. Yeah. So these students with the less efficient strategies are still getting the right answer, but they're learning from their colleagues mm. that, oh, my brain didn't work that way, but if I look at it another way, yeah. it might I might be able to do yeah. it. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, I, I touched on I touched on um, something when I was when I was speaking earlier, and that was quantity. And part of quantity, and I, I want to take it all the way back because often people say, "What is the very basis of multiplicative thinking? What what is it that we teach first? And um, our students come in with certain levels of understanding. And can you explain what those levels are? Yes, when students come into schools, they have a basic understanding of certain things. And um, I have to give credit to Di Seaman for these ideas because uh, I've heard her speak about mm. multiplicative thinking. And she says that before children come to school, they usually know what it means to get more. Okay, that's addition. Mm -hmm. They know what it means to have something taken away mm -hmm. or have less than someone else. We all know what children are like when they've got less than someone else. So they actually understand taking away or difference. They certainly should know what it's like to share equally, especially if they've got brothers and sisters. Yeah. They don't have a well, lot of experience. You'd hope that they would know how to share equally <laughs> if they have brothers and sisters. <laughs> Children have a very innate sense of fairness. Yes. yes. Um, however, what they don't have is the ability to make and count equal groups. It's not a natural part of their mm. everyday experience. Mm. So as teachers, we have to provide that experience for them. What we tend to do in those very early years is reinforce those three ideas of addition, subtraction and division or sharing. We need to look also at making and counting equal groups. Yeah as a part of their, making that as a part of their experience. Yep. But before we get to equal groups, there's one very important concept, isn't there? And that's subitizing. I that, think you touched on subitizing in the last episode, but um, I want to talk a bit about subitizing because it's it's such a crucial part of student development. And I don't think it's actually done enough in schools. What, what do you think? Absolutely right. Uh, subitizing underpins much of the quantity mathematics that, that um, students need to know in those early years. Now, supertizing, what it is, is the ability to recognise a quantity without counting. Mm -hmm. Simply put, there are two areas of supertizing that are important. Firstly, that recognising a number, mm -hmm. and that is really important in trusting the count. So you're looking at numbers basically to five, mm -hmm. uh, or 
familiar patterns such as uh, dice patterns to six or tens frames. Yep. The ability to see a number without counting, that enables students to trust the count. So to believe that there is five without counting allows them to say, I have five, I have. I want two more. Yes. Five, six, seven, counting on. A student that doesn't trust the count can't do that because they don't actually believe that there are five there yes. in the first place. So they have to always count the collection again. Yes. So if, if a student doesn't know how to trust the count, and you've and that's one of the um, big ideas that Di Seaman talks about is trusting the count. That's actually the very first big idea. And so if students don't know how to trust the count, they will always need to go back and count the collection, yes. even though they've already counted the first collection. And subitizing allows them to be able to um, recognise that this is five without actually having to go back and count that it's five. That's right. Uh, and I, I must say, when I do um, demonstration classes with mm-hmm. preps and... I need to add, that's not my forte. Mm-hmm. I am secondary trained. As am I. <laughs> so. Preps scare they the, terrify. the Jesus out of me, can <laughs> I just say. <laughs> <laughs> they terrify me too. But I have developed a great lesson that works all the time. And the learning intention for that lesson is mm-hmm. we understand that we can know a number without counting. Yes. And so I, we make beads, strings, we do all sorts of things. And it is basically supertizing. It's lesson after lesson after lesson. Teachers need to be careful of thinking, oh, I taught that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between teaching something and learning it. Yes. So you can do lots. You can do it day after day after day. Yep. Now, I had a question um, from a teacher. Uh, we were talking about... Um, supertizing and the importance of supertizing and her question was do we uh, give them the quantities in the shape of the dice how they see it on the dice and uh, I I sort of said well the idea of supertizing is that they're not always going to be presented with the quantities in the pattern that's on the dice. That's right. So they really need to be able to look at any random collection, whether they're counters or whether they're cars or whether they're people, and they should be able to say, that is six yes. or that is nine. Now, numbers numbers past five is a little bit more tricky. Absolutely. So what strategies do you think teachers can use to help students to do that? Numbers past five require totally different strategy and I guess they they rely on being able to group and that's where mm-hmm. supertizing is the introduction to multiplicative thinking. So that first one that I just talked about is trusting the count, recognising a number by just seeing the number of dots. Uh, just about the dot patterns, I say, yes, go for it. Go for it with the dot patterns, but mix it up. Uh, so, you know, have a five the way that the dot pattern is uh, is on the, the dice. But then mix it up. Have a five another way. Yeah, yeah. Um, have a five in a tens frame. Yep. Because it, it shows that this number is five. Again, trusting the count. This number is five no matter which way you arrange it. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so back to the second point, when you've got above five, and that's a um, neurobiological fact, I guess, that human beings aren't capable of automatically supertizing above five. So we need to group. I'm thinking of uh, a dot pattern, if you think of two arrows, one on each end of a line, Mm -hmm. okay, but in, in dot patterns. So what you tend to see in that way is a three and a three, and then one in the middle. So automatically, students are thinking, well, I've got two groups of three. That's your introduction to multiplicative thinking. And that's also really good for partitioning numbers because when when you're learning quantities, really the very first thing that you want to do is you want to help students to uh, develop a really deep understanding of numbers from zero to nine and how to partition the numbers break them apart and put them back together in lots and lots of different ways. So the idea that uh, nine is seven and two, mm-hmm. it's also f- uh, five and four, yes. it's you know 10 minus one. It's yes. all of these different ways. And I think there are a lot of different ways of doing that. I think dot talks are really good ways of, of doing that as well. I, I love dot talks because, you know, I mean, everybody may get the sense that I'm a big number talks, <laughs> dot talks fan, because I just think that... Uh, it just gives kids an opportunity to be able to not only to see things from their own perspective, but also to communicate and verbalise what they're actually That's learning. Right. And communication is a huge part of students' learning and development. And, and reasoning, communicating and reasoning. their reasoning. And it's it's not an easy thing to do for kids, especially the younger kids. It's very, very difficult to communicate their understanding. And often when students solve problems, they, they'll just say, uh, well, I just knew, but these days it's not about. I just knew you need to to talk about uh, about why you did it. So, um, dot talks are really good at developing that ability to uh, partition numbers, and you know how did we see them, and also work on their spatial uh, skills and spatial reasoning and and things like that. That's right. I actually think that is a whole other podcast. Yeah. I think we really we, we, need to get into yeah, that. We really could spend a whole lot of um, time talking about those things. But uh, with, with regard to the supertizing though, what you're doing is even even if you put six in a, in a dice pattern, you are showing that those children that that is three rows of two and that those so you get you introduce these groups of or rows of or you know whatever the arrangement is without introducing multiplication facts or anything like that they learn that two groups of 2 makes the number 4 by as you said the partitioning yep and partitioning is that very very basis of number sense mm-hmm. and that's all grouping is mm. partitioning equally yep so after, after supertizing, mm-hmm. what is the sequence of multiplicative development? So where, where, should, where should students go? Where should teachers kind of direct their students in terms of their learning? Well, once they've got that understanding of number and the supertizing and just uh, being able to recognise groups within a number, um, we need to look at that concept of equal groups. Now, as I said before... Students have that, children when they come into school, have that understanding of sharing equally. So this is just working the other way, making equal groups. Mm -hmm. And as long as we keep talking about those equal groups, students can understand that 
And from there, we go into the skip counting mm. and looking along that number line, jumping along with those equal groups or equal jumps along the number line. Yeah. So mm. you, you mentioned groups of mm-hmm. um, and skip counting, and, and that's the very basis of, of beginning our multiplicative thinking. But we really want to move from groups of into arrays, don't we? Well, that's right. Well, the skip counting teaches us or teaches the students about repeated addition. Okay, so before you actually get to the arrays, they do need to understand this repeated addition. This is all additive thinking. This isn't multiplicative. Students need to understand additive thinking before they actually get into the um, Mm. multiplicative. So it's once you get to the arrays that you can start to think multiplicatively because you're looking at area. So the arrays show multiplication as repeated patterns in rows or columns. Mm -hmm. And then you can manipulate those arrays to give the same area. That's right. And that's where you're... 18 times 5 is the same as 9 times 10 Yep, comes from. And also 18 times 5 is the same as 5 times 18. So we can use the um, commutative law. We can also use the distributive law with arrays too, which uh, allows students to see that you can split the numbers in lots of different ways and still get the same answer because the area is not changing. It's just the two numbers that you're actually multiplying. So if, we look right. at, if we're looking at um, at area, it would be your length on your width or the number of rows or the number of columns uh, that we're multiplying to get the total number within our grid. So you can start, how do you start students off with working with arrays and, and things like that? So what's the, what's the pro- progression? There's a great little activity that you can actually use. Um, We call it the cupcake activity, Mm -hmm. where you have pictures of cupcakes, cut them out and give them an A4 piece of paper. And that's your baking tray. And you have to arrange the cupcakes on the baking tray. There are lots of ways of arranging. Mm. 24 cupcakes is the best number, I believe. Yes, (laughs) that's right. And um, you can arrange them randomly. Mm. You can arrange them into groups. That's that's a way of doing it. But of course, you're always going to get kids that are going to arrange mm. them into rows. Because of rows course, if columns. you've got a, a tray, most of the baking trays will be rectangular. And and you've got muffin muffin tins mm. that you can Which actually... Which are also rectangular. That's right. Yep. That's right. And they are in arrays already. Mm. So children have the experience. Yep. Cooking is the best mathematical experience really they can ever is. have. Yeah, if you want to teach your kids a bit about any type of maths or, or maths in context, get them in the kitchen. Yes, yeah. there's another podcast we can do. Absolutely, maths in the kitchen. <laughs> That's right. Um, I like maths, but I don't really like getting in the kitchen. Yeah. You and me both, sister. Okay, so uh, I love that activity because it does get them f- to think about arranging um, mm-hmm. these cakes yep. in a certain order. Uh, some people have one long row of mm. 24, yep. two rows of 12. Yep. And, and so then it would be, the question you would ask would be, what is the most efficient way of arranging the cupcakes? Yeah. 
what's the way it's going to fit it, uh, into the pan? Now you could arrange it one mm-hmm. row of twenty-four, mm-hmm. but it's not going to fit on the on the tray, yep. is it? So two rows of twelve aren't really going to fit on the tray, and it's yep. not efficient in mm-hmm. in a normal oven. Three rows of eight, yep. you know, and and so eventually they'll they'll find an efficient way. But then that question that we always ask. Ooh, can you do it another way? Can you do it another way? Oh, exactly. I've got a really long, thin oven. Mm. What can we do? Yeah, you know those sorts of things. Questioning is so important mm. as a as a teacher. You'll get kids that will say, "Done it." So you could then ask the question, I guess, just to, to for a little bit of a, an extension activity. If my tray didn't fit that many, how could I divide it or split my numbers? so that I would still have 24 cupcakes. Yes. But then what would they look like? So then that's leading them into those distributive properties. That's of, right. You know, so you can take those activities and you can really take them into a, a higher ceiling type format for the kids who kind of have gone, well, I understand this. Yes. So inadvertently, you're going to get those students in your class that need that extension. And rather than giving them larger numbers Large to numbers. work with, mm. you give them different situations to problem solve That's right. with. That's right. So. Uh, the other thing you can do with your cupcakes is when they're out of the oven, you put them on plates. Mm. How many people have we got yeah. coming? Who, you okay. know, so you share them. Uh, and then that moves it back from arrays to groups of. That's right. That's right. And so they can see the relationship between those oh, arrays. What a great activity. Yeah. that's. I have to thank Anna Bock for that one. Anna Bock, she's a legend. She's <laughs> another one of our outreach officers. Yes. She's been she's... avoiding the mic till now. <laughs> <laughs> but we can always drag her in, can't we? Yeah. We... No, that's one of, one of hers. And uh, yeah, I found it really, really effective in introducing arrays. Mm. You're listening to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools. And today we're having a chat to Leanne McMahon in our second part in a series called Multiplication Matters. Uh, Don't forget, if you're interested in some of the materials supporting these podcasts, don't hesitate to check out our Calculate website at calculate.org.au. On the website, there are lots of teacher support materials. Specifically, there are modules and also links to these podcasts and some of our show notes. All right, so back on to the progression. So we started with supertizing. So that's the very first concept. Then we move into skip counting and then into groups of and then into arrays. And the arrays where we initially begin would be arrays using counters or in this case, cupcakes. So what next? Well, as with as we discussed in the last podcast, we're going to go from concrete to representational to abstract. Mm-hmm. So the concrete was the counters, mm-hmm. the cupcakes. Mm-hmm. So representational, we're going to do grids. Yep. So it's going to be still the area. We're still going to be able to see the area, but we're going to use grids, not mm-hmm. counters. Then we move on to the open array or the area model where... We don't have any, it, it's, it could be representational of the area, but we don't have counters or we don't have yep. squares or anything like that. And why is the area model so important? Because it is important to take the kids through that step when they're learning multiplication. But we want them to get to the area model or the open array. Why? 
The area model is vital in understanding place value mm-hmm. or yeah, the value of the places. Mm-hmm. That is, when I'm multiplying 18 times 5, mm-hmm. I'm multiplying 110 by 5 and 8 ones by 5. I'm not multiplying just 18 ones yep. by 5. That area model shows very, very clearly that you are multiplying certain numbers uh, and whole numbers uh, with with value, and it shows you the value of those numbers yes. that you're multiplying. And it's really important, isn't it, when they start multiplying two-digit numbers and three-digit numbers, because when we start students off with multiplying using the vertical algorithm, which happens a lot, uh, the students don't actually understand the value of the place no. that they're multiplying. They don't know that 18 times 5 is 8 times 5 and 10 times 5. It's not 8 times 5 and 1 times 5 and then we add a zero to the end. <laughs> Adding <because> a zero. <laughs> we add When we add a zero to anything, it doesn't change the value of it. So we don't say add a zero. We, we, we like to get the students to understand that it's eight times five and then 10 times five. And I think using the open array gets students to actually see what's happening when they do the vertical algorithm. And there's nothing wrong with vertical algorithms. It's a perfectly legitimate strategy. And interestingly, somebody actually told me that um, the vertical algorithm was actually developed because when we first started printing on paper, paper was very expensive and printing took a long time and was also ex- expensive. So they they needed to take some shortcuts. And yes. so then in order to save time, save money, they shortened the yes. calculation of multiplication and they made it into the, the trading or the, the carrying of the numbers and not really looking at it in terms of their whole place value parts. That's right. So. And so we often get parents saying, why can't you just teach it the way that mm. we learnt it? It's not the most efficient way. No. It's not. With all the the research that's been done on on student learning, they've found that it's not the most efficient way. Or the the most effective way, I guess. Effective. That's right. Um, I just want to put in here that Professor Doug Clark in 2005 argued that students should not be taught conventional algorithms until they're able to add and subtract two-digit numbers in their head. Yeah. So let's come back to... Why the area model? Mm. Why the area model? Because it makes sense. Mm. It is, in fact, the algorithm in a much more simple form. Yeah. Simple in that it uh, distinguishes, it, it uses e- easy numbers. Mm. It shows all of the parts as well. That's it right. Makes everything explicit. That's right. So um, thank you, Leanne. I think um, we've covered it lot today and in a lot <laughs> we, of detail. We could have gone on for oh, another three we just hours. We seem to ramble on, don't we? We do. We do. Oh, this is why Marcus needs to be in this chair. <laughs> yes, he can rein me in. <laughs> um, okay, so we have quite a number of podcasts coming up and a, a f- quite a few ideas. We've got, uh, I think we wanted to do one on dot talks and number talks. Uh, we've got a bit planned on maths anxiety. 
and uh, some on problem solving as well. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Leanne, for today. And hopefully you guys got something out of this. Join us next time for our final episode in the Multiplication Matters series. We'll see you then. Bye.